Gemacast listeners, Hover would love to find a domain name for your passion. They'll automatically take 10% off your first order at the checkout using promo code JOMOCAST. My name is Christina Crook, and I am the author of The Joy of Missing Out. I want to welcome you to the JOMOCAST, a brand new podcast for founders and creators seeking joy in a digital age. JOMO is the joy of missing out on the right things. Life-taking things like toxic hustle, comparison, disconnection, and digital drain in order to make space for life-giving commitments that bring us peace, love, meaning, and joy. I saw the most joyful thing last week. It was about 80 people biking in a pack through my neighborhood at night, covered in flashing lights, and glow sticks and glitter and riding to some kind of shared party playlist through speakers strapped to their bodies. A quick Google search turned up Bike Party Toronto. It's just exactly like it sounds. You meet up at a local park with your party gear on, get your bike out with a bunch of strangers and hit the road. A bunch of people choosing to consciously disconnect from technology and experience the best of life offline. Man. That was a joyful sight to see. Well, welcome back to the JomoCast. We are halfway through season one of the podcast, and we're talking all about the two elements of joy, well-being and success. Now, just a little reminder that success is the achievement of goals, whatever they are. And well-being is having a positive relationship with our abilities and our limits whatever they are. This week, I'm thrilled to be releasing two special episodes that each focus on one of these elements. I met each of these guests at Fireside Conference. I first attended Fireside in 2016 with my husband, Michael. Fireside is a gathering of technology founders, investors, and media at Camp Walden, a completely unplugged summer camp three and a half hours north of Toronto. Fireside co-founders Daniel Levine and Stephen Pulver had a vision of creating a true human experience for the women and men of tech. Built around the theme, Disconnect to Reconnect, Fireside, now in its fifth year, has become a touchstone for me personally, a place where every year I have the privilege of speaking to tech founders around the world about the joy of missing out. To give you a sense of what Fireside is like, I'd like to share with you a poem I wrote on the dock at camp and then performed it at their open mic night. Here's how it goes. We are sitting on the deck at Camp Walden. Around us, the rise and fall of laughter mingle on the intersecting planks. A small lake rippling beneath us. The water is littered with sailboats canoes, and a couple paddling in kayaks. A hedge of elms and oaks engulf the edges of the water, warmed by the gentle nudges of fall. It quiets and moves me, this scene. Here, the cloud cannot touch us. The hurry and labels and Twitterverse for a weekend powered down. Here we are disarmed. This is Fireside, an opening for flesh and blood communication, for remembering just what lights us up, 
just what can happen when silence and serendipity are given room. Here is an opening to surrender accomplishments and sleep, to place our successes to the side and watch them dim under the canopy of a thousand stars. Here we remember our smallness, just a body on a dock, just a woman in flat shoes, just a man with cold feet. This is Fireside, a table set by the fruit of friendship, a banquet prepared by two friends to sustain us. You've set the table, and we've feasted. It's rare to experience this kind of deep connection to nature, to people, to our own human experience, and it's why I and so many others return to this conference year after year. I met Peter Katz at Fireside. When Peter, a Juno-nominated musician, showed up for a sold-out concert in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, he'd get a job offer that would change the course of his life forever. Instead of hustling year-round as a creator, as a musician, he now spends an entire month each year unplugged from touring, from the city, from the non-stop pressure to produce, so that he can invest in teens, building resilience in the mountains. It was a risky choice, one that could have jeopardized his career, but instead, it's been a catalyst for more than he imagined. It was through a dinner party in my home with Peter Katz and his girlfriend that actually helped me clarify my personal definition of JOMO as the joy of missing out on the right things. Peter's is a story about exactly that. Missing out on personal gain to invest deeply in a small group of people. Missing out on predictability to embrace work that brings you life. Missing out on the noise and hustle of the city to make room for the silence of the mountains. This is what Peter says about this decision that changed his life. He says, I would not choose the Air Canada Centre, the biggest venue in Canada, over that experience. Not in a million years. And this is not the direction I thought I would take as a singer-songwriter. Everything good in my life is rooted in saying yes to that. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So I am sitting in my empty dining room in my old house with Peter Katz. Hello. Hello, Peter. It's kind of like my old house. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter came and actually lived in our house. We had a dinner party in this very room. And we found out this woeful story of Peter's where he had a flood in his home. And we realized we are sitting in an empty home. Why don't you come stay here? So this was like your home too. Yeah, which was incredibly nice of you. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome. And actually tonight we you're you're giving an incredible gift to us, which is a celebration of our house and saying goodbye to it with our neighbors. So we're going to be having a concert with Peter here, which is very exciting. Um, in advance of that, I wanted to talk with you about um, this theme that I'm exploring with this podcast, which is the joy of missing out. And mm. really, I've honed in actually through the thanks of your wonderful girlfriend, Michelle, at mm. that very dinner party. Um really what the joy of missing out means to me. And I've realized through that conversation that it really means the joy of missing out on the right things. Right. And you have an incredible story about 
being invited into doing something that was a bit off of the radar, a bit off track for a typical singer-songwriter journey. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if you, in terms of the missing out piece of the story, you were missing out on staying the course. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that experience. You're referring to the the work I do with the... the, That's right. Yes. Yes. That's right. The youth. The youth. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I was... This was, this was 2013, and I was, you know, in the thick of yet another Canadian tour. At, at that point, I was I was doing like 150 shows a year, and which meant being away like 200 days of the year, and it was really grueling, you know, at that time. And like there was there was some like pockets of success, but it was there was a lot of few and far between, um, and a lot of rough shows, and. Um, I was booked to play in this town called Fort McLeod, Alberta. You know it. <laughs> Nobody no. knows it yet. <laughs> so it's it's really, you know, it's essentially like a one-stoplight town in, in southern Alberta. Um, and and I was like, who's going to come to this show? Um, no, it, it was normal for me to get a show in a, in a town I'd never played before. But, you know, I would expect to play it some terrible bar and have there be like nobody there. Um, and the place was this called the Empress theater. And I was thinking to myself, like, that sounds actually like a really nice place. And, and so I, 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 you know, looked it up and it was in fact, this like turn of the century, like not this turn of the century, the, the other turn of the century, um, 300 seat theater. And I was like, who's going to come to this show? And uh, I called up my manager at the time. I said, you know, why are we doing this? Like, we're this is probably going to cost us money. We probably shouldn't do this. And he was like, look, these these people are really excited that you're coming and they've paid a guarantee. So just go play the show. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to argue with a guarantee. Like, at that time, that was not usual. And so I walked out on stage and the place is absolutely packed. And not only is it packed, but they're like, they're like freaking out that I'm there and they're they're like singing my songs and requesting songs and and I I think I think I sold every CD I had on me. I sold like a hundred CDs after and I'm just like wondering what happened. And um I asked these two guys who had organized this show afterwards, I, I said, like, what happened here? Like, what's in the water? And uh, and they said, well, uh, we run this 12-day program for teenagers and we take them out into the mountains and we take them hiking and rock climbing and whitewater canoeing, but we don't care that they get good at hiking and rock climbing and whitewater canoeing. Like, that's not the point. The point is, is that they learn to do things that are challenging, that they learn to sit in discomfort and that they learn, you know, empathy and taking care of each other and building a safe community. And there's kind of like different themes every day um, because there's this curriculum. Um, and there's a curriculum because the kids are earning high school credits, which means that the program is actually free for them. So it's really like this amazing design. Anyways, they had been using my songs to anchor the learning and anchor some of the different themes. So every summer, you know, all these kids were hearing my music and and the staff and, and in this tiny town so that's basically everybody yeah well i mean they actually sort of they were pulling people from kind of all over southern alberta but i mean initially from just kind of the livingston range that was the name of the so it was like pincher creek fort mcleod like these are not large places um and uh 
anyways, and then after that, and they, they, they said to me, they said, actually, you know, we had emailed your manager because we wanted you to come work for us because we don't really have a, you know, hiring policy. We just kind of find people out there that we know would be perfect to work for us and we go get them. And uh, we've been coming to your shows in Lech- Lethbridge, which is like 45 minutes away. And we just think you'd be so perfect for this program. So we organized this show so we could ask you in person, like, will you come work for us? Incredible. And uh, I said, yes. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And, and yeah, six years later, I, I actually like, I run the program now for, for, for usually two sessions every summer. And, um, and those people have become some of my best friends and those people helped me. They were the ones that said, you should be a speaker and, and help me create my first talk for youth. And then that led to me doing some talks for adults and which has now become a huge part of what I do. And, and, you know, they were there for me through my divorce. Like they became my best friends. Like they're, they, they've become key, key, key people in my life. And I had no idea that any of that was going on in the woods while I was driving through Canada and sleeping on floors. Right. <laughs> yeah. So instead of, you know, saying yes to another, you know, 20 shows over a month or however many you would right. do in a month, you decided I'm going to say yes to this very unlikely, very exciting, but also very unusual path. Yeah. And, 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 you know, now I go out there every summer for a month and it, it, I do have to press pause on my music career and I might miss a festival or there's things that I can't do in my music career. Because you're on top of a mountain. Because I'm on top of a mountain. Literally. Yeah. There's no place I'd rather be when I'm doing that work. And it's like, I just got goosebumps. It like has fundamentally changed my life and you know how like the the universe or whatever people believe like sort of rises up to give you what you need Hmm. that doing that work has given me what I needed to get through the last few years of my life and and being in the role of uh, a mentor for young people like almost annoyingly so keeps you accountable and I'm like I can't talk about integrity and I can't talk about sitting in discomfort and, you know, managing your thoughts and feelings and, you know, like, like all of these different things, if I don't do that myself. Right. And so I know every summer when I stand there and I'm, you know, working with those, those young people, I have to be living what I'm saying. Otherwise I have no right to be there. So that's been a, a important thing for me too. I've had a lot of you know, my kind of New Year's Eve is every year on the top of the mountain. And because the kids are up there and we give them, you know, an hour or two to, to journal on their own. And so I have an opportunity to kind of reflect and, you know, being on a mountaintop, you literally can see where you've come from and, and where you might like to go. And that's kind of what we explain to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I always sort of have those moments of like, okay, I need to change this. I need to think about this. I need to Next next year when I come back to this mountaintop, I need to have done this. Um, amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, very few people, I feel, have an experience like that that anchors their year, anchors their story. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the other thing that happened to me my first summer that I worked there is probably like day three or something like that. I mean, th- this program is, you're going like 18 hours a day. You know, it's just, it's just nonstop. There's 40 teenagers and... <laughs> 
you know, especially the first few nights, they don't want to go to bed. And, you know, they're just like, by the, by day four, they're so exhausted that they finally sleep. But, you know, there's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot. Um, and so I'm like completely exhausted. But I had this moment in the middle of the day where I lay down in my tent for 10 minutes. And I realized that it was the first time in as long as I could remember in my adult life that my, my brain inner monologue was silent. Wow. And I, it was deafening. I, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm present. <laughs> I'm fully present. Even though I'm exhausted and I'm like pushing myself, I think it has to do with like the nature of it too. You know, so much of my music career, you know, which I love and everything, but it's it's kind of all about me. And it's like my face and it's called Peter Katz. And it, it's it, it just, everything kind of circles back to me and like me as the sort of entity. And then there's also me personally and it gets a little confusing and there's just, you know, whereas when you're working with young people like that in that role, like all of my energy is going to them. I'm just thinking about serving them. And that was such a healthy thing <laughs> that I didn't know was, was going to happen. Um, and I, I feel that way now. It's like, I just, I totally get out of my head for a month and I just, they enter my head and I, try to give them the very best experience I can give them. This episode is brought to you by Hover.com. Everyone's got their thing. My thing is the joy of missing out and Hover's is the joy of free domain registration privacy. Hover is an incredible company actually based here in Canada, which is where I live. And I use Hover for all of my domain registration and I have for years and years. I'm thrilled that they are here on board with the JomoCast in the very first season. And as a listener, you can go to hover.com forward slash JomoCast to get your next great idea registered in a domain at Hover. So thank you to Hover for sponsoring season one of the JomoCast. I feel like that description of quietly resting for 10 minutes is something that a lot of people are hungry for, Yeah, you know, and trying to build that into our day-to-day -day lives. You know, I, I want to believe that it's possible and yet it's, it's very difficult to find. It's very difficult to not be thinking about the next thing, whether we're thinking about our careers or our personal lives, our families, all of these different things are pulling us and pulling us and pulling us ahead. But there is something about nature I think I think two things came to mind when you were speaking. There's something about nature. Um, I know for myself, I've started just a weekly practice of just getting into the woods. It doesn't matter how long it is, but within five minutes, I can feel a smile just slowly grow across my face and I feel lighter. The other thing that I'm thinking about when you're talking about being with the kids and being really present to your experience is the fact that your focus is outside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, digital is part of my conversation, but especially in the online space where so much of it is for business purposes or promotional pur purposes, it is very difficult to make it other-centered. We might, you know, we're creating work for other people to, right. to bless their lives, work we've created that we're proud of, that we want to share, and yet it still somehow centers around self, but to focus your attention fully on these other young people. Yeah. Um yeah, that really is resonating with me as a mother, as someone who seeks to 
you know, be other centered in her work. Um, yeah, maybe you can right. speak a bit to that. Well, no, I was going to say there's also a digital disconnect that happens too, you know, which is which is part of it, and which is also amazing to see in the in the young people as well, you know. Um, Do you notice sort of day one and then into day ten, like the differences in them? Yeah, I mean, there's so much transformation that happens. It's it's hard, to, like I, I, you know, can't pinpoint it. I, to I one can't thing, pinpoint to say course. that like oh, it's because they're not on their phones or this, of you know, because I, I mean, usually by the by the nighttime of day one, I often say to them, I remind them that they arrived that morning and they're already like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, they can't believe all that's happened in a day. Um, and most of that is just around this, you know, the, the number one, well, there's a lot of words that are like the number one words, but like safe community is what we always are hammering is, is that this is not going to be the hallways of high school. Like we are going to take care of each other and, and we have to build that together and we just hammer that home. And then at some point the society that we create just like gels and it's, it's an amazing thing. I just got goosebumps again. <laughs> so yeah. And, 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 you know, with the cell phone thing, like there, we make it really clear, no cell phones every year. So a few of them bring their cell phones and every year, you know, at some point we, we sort of have the talk on day three, like, okay, we know some of you still have your phones. And at this point we sort of really started to talk about, you know, building safety and they, they're starting to get the message and we sort of create a like get out of jail free zone for them to hand in their phones and, and they do. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty awesome. I think that obviously creating that safe community and that being the center of what you're trying to do would enable them maybe to be to more freely pass those along. But also I'm imagining them having experienced a couple of days like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing with my time. Because a lot of people go to their phones because they don't know what to do with the right. white space. They don't yeah. know what to do with those in-between transitional times. And so I think, yeah, that's really interesting that they, by day three, that they're re ready to sort of you know, prompted by you, but ready to sort of give that up and say, okay, this is worth it. I want to actually be present to this. Yeah. And, you know, the concept of, of in order for our community to, to, to thrive and be safe, we all need to elevate each other. So if someone is, is, you know, isolated, then we need to scoop them in. But also the person that's isolated also is isolating themselves, you know? So it's not, it, it's sort of this, we all need to do our parts to, to, to create the safety. But like, I, I was thinking of a story this summer where um, I think it was day two. Um, there was another camp that was on site um, for, for one of the days that overlapped and they had put out some snacks and a couple of, of our students had got it into their snacks. And so it was like, I had to like have the talk with them like, okay, somebody took the snacks. Like <laughs> we need to, and the other camp director was really upset. So I explained to them, I said, Hey, this is, a good chance for us to practice integrity here. Of course, nobody would own up to it. Um, so I had to, I had to like just kind of wait it out, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember like exactly what I did, but I basically said, I said I'm going to go ap apologize to the other camp director, and if anybody you know wants to come find me, and you know, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so these two girls like walk up to me a little bit later, and they're like. Okay, we look. It was us. We didn't mean to. We're so sorry. And I was like, okay. 
So now we get to make this right, and we get you get to like talk to the group about it. And they're like, no, no. way, and they're freaking out. And we're probably like 500 meters from the rest of the group, which is around the campfire. They're, they're like, no, we're going to be isolated, and, and everybody's going to hate us, and they're going to judge us, and this is going to be the, like the worst thing of all time. And like over the course of the walk, I'm slowly like just talking to them. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm totally giving them their power. I'm like, look, this is out there. We need to address this, but we can address it in whatever way you would like to address it. You know, so what do we think? And then there's like, no, 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 they're freaking out. And then one of them starts to cave a little bit. She's like, well, I guess it would be better for us to explain it than to have everybody wonder. I'm like, oh, that's a good thought. And like all the way we're walking back to the fire and they're, they're, finally they, they do it. And then we do this thing called evening kudos, um, where you kind of acknowledge people. And they got like half of the kudos of the group for like, and they 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 were just blown away that people admired them for stepping up and you know being in their integrity in how they dealt with a simple mistake, you know. Um, and I just and that changed the dynamic of the group. There's all these moments that just sort of just make make the group just drop in. Right. You know? um, yeah. I love that. And it's interesting how, you know, you took them apart. I mean, you know, you spoke with them you know, apart from the group and it did take them time for them yeah. to process and right. Like we can't make those decisions in a heartbeat. Like we're constantly asked to like respond to messages or respond right. to things really yeah, yeah. quickly, but it kind of demonstrates to me, especially, well, not just as teenagers, but as adults too, like it takes us a while to process things and that they could talk it through together and one's pulling one in one direction and the other direction. Yeah. What an amazing experience for them. That's a beautiful thing that, that I do love exactly that, that we have time. Like I don't need to be reactive in in a, in an immediate kind of way. I mean, obviously for safety things I do, but, um, there's two things. My friend Joss, who's one of the people who helped create the program, there's two things that she's said to me over the years of like watching her and learning her work with youth that have just fundamentally shaped the way that I do that work. And actually, it's spilled over into more than just youth. But she said, there's no bad kids, only sad kids. And I was like, whoa, that just fundamentally changes the way you perceive behavior. Um, and then the other thing she said is like the greatest the number one reaction you should have is curiosity. And, and so she, she actually uses the word, wow, like, like, wow, like whenever there's behavior, wow. And that sort of wow just gives her the moment to get curious about the way they're behaving or saying what they're saying. And I mean, I've had, I've had a girl, this is, this story has repeated itself many times, like literally screaming at me, cussing me out, saying that I'm Hitler and that this is a concentration camp. And in my mind, I'm just like, there's no bad kids, only sad kids. And 10 days later, that girl is like presenting at our parent night, you know, talking about integrity. And, and her, I remember, I always just watched the parents at parent night and her dad just was, had his eyes like wide open, his mouth, you know, you could put, put a grapefruit in there <laughs> and, and just like tears streaming oh. down his face. And I've seen that over and over and over and over again it, in like, there's no bad kids, only sad kids. Just get curious about what, what they're, what they need. Like they're the, the and the, you know, they're not as complicated as adults. And, and I think adults are actually not even as complicated as. I was going to say, there's not yeah. bad people. They're yeah. only sad people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
but you know especially with the like the, especially with teenagers there's like if there is a shell it's pretty thin still you know yeah yeah because like, they still have like one foot in youth and one foot in 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 adulthood so if you just are patient give them that love give them that that curiosity then they all kind of they come around it's it's, mm. it's amazing so the power yeah the power of space the power of curiosity yeah and so, some of them it takes like as a 12-day program i've had some of them take to like day 10 or 11. come on guys yeah. <laughs> but you know you can see that the wheels are turning in there yeah you know i've had yeah there's I, know, I could I could tell you lots yeah. and lots and lots of really powerful stories about those experiences. But saying yes to that commitment has been you have no second thoughts about committing this. No, I can't even imagine what my life would be without that. And everything in my life basically that is the best part of my life right now has come out of saying yes to that. From like from my exercise routine to my friendship to my work, my you know career opportunities to 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 to, to my friendships to you know uh, my brother. Um, after I did my first summer, I was like, "You guys like me? You should hire my brother." So I, I said, "You guys need to hire my brother." My brother came and works, and now you know we got to work together, which changed my relationship with him. Um, and you know we went from being brothers to being friends, and like there's. There's just like a litany of of unbelievable, crucially fundamental core things that have come out of going out there that first summer. And 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 the amazing thing too about it is like none of that was on my radar when I said, I'm gonna be a singer-songwriter. Right. And, you know, I'm still not playing the Air Canada Center or whatever, but I wouldn't I would not trade the Air Canada Center for that experience. I would pick that experience in a heartbeat. And that kind of blows my mind. Because it's a, it's a, it's completely not what I thought the path was going to be, but it's way better than I could ever have imagined. That's amazing. Yeah, Peter, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Well, thank you for listening. You can learn more about our guests in the show notes and by visiting jomocast.com. The Jomocast is edited and produced by Thomas J. Inge, musician and composer by day, podcast ninja by night. Special thanks to writer Rebecca Wigand, musician Peter Katz, and educator Adam Kaplan for their practical and moral support creating this season of the podcast. The JomoCast is listener-supported. When you sign up as a patron at patreon.com forward slash JomoCast, you'll get access to many bonus episodes with me and digital sociologist Dr. Jess Piriam. Plus, we'll send you a Jomo Manifesto letterpress print, stickers, and a handwritten card in the mail because I believe in the power of the personal. Plus, snail mail is just one of the most joyful things on earth. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you subscribe. And a five-star review would be spectacular. Do you want more Jomo? Go to experiencejomo.com to sign up for a free week of Jomo Quests to get you started on your journey. As always, remember, there is joy missing out on the right things. I'm your host, Christina Crook. Thanks for listening.